show brought to you by SaaS Doc 2017, the conference to turn your SaaS up to 11. SaaS Doc 17 is round the corner, taking place on 18th to 20th September in Dublin. For those SaaS revolutionaries listening to the show, if you want to learn how to grow your SaaS business, this is how SaaS Doc can help you. Monday the 18th, it all kicks off with SaaS City, a one-day accelerator for your SaaS, including four boot camps split into sales, marketing, customer success, and a CEO boot camp too. A pricing workshop with Patrick Campbell from Price Intelligently. A workshop from Winning by Design about how to get your SaaS from 1 million ARR to 20 million ARR and much, much more. And then the conference kicks off on Tuesday the 19th with 120 speakers over two days, including Ryan Smith, CEO of Poltrix, Bill Mesaitis, former CMO at Slack, Zendesk and SVP at Salesforce, Mark Organ, CEO of Influitive, and Promise Phelan, CEO at Tap Influence. Three tracks of content, no matter what stage your SaaS business is at. Scaling from 10 million to 100 million, from 1 million to 10 million ARR, or working your way somewhere between 0 to 1 million ARR. We've even got a CTO track this year. We've got you covered. Join 1,500 founders, execs of B2B SaaS companies, and 200 SaaS VCs from over 40 countries in Dublin for three days to learn, to network, to meet investors, and be part of the SaaS tribe. SaaS revolutionaries get a 20% discount with the following code SaaS Revolution. That's S A A S R E V O L U T I O N, SaaS Revolution. Go to sasdoc.com to find out more and take part in what is going to be an awesome three days to turn your SaaS up to 11. Now on with the podcast. In this episode of the SaaS Revolution show, Alex Zuma is joined by Scott Hines, CMO at Sengrid, who discusses the responsibilities of a CMO at a SaaS company and five keys for driving growth and engagement via email. You can find a short write-up of my conversation with Scott, including all names and links on sasdoc.com forward slash blog. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution show. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and super excited to be joined today by Scott Hines, uh, CMO at Sengrid. Welcome, Scott. Hey, thanks for uh, inviting me. It's great to be here. It's uh, great to have you on the uh, uh, on, on the podcast today. So, uh, so Scott, um, you know, we always start off the, uh, the the podcast by getting to know our guests uh, a little bit better. Um, so, not breaking tradition, uh, can you tell us a little bit about who is uh, Scott Hines? <laughs> you bet. Well, um, I'm the CMO here at Sengrid, and have been here for the last couple of years, helping to evolve and scale and grow the company. Um, I uh, live here in Denver, Colorado, and my wife and I spend a lot of time outside uh, skiing and hiking and boating in the summer. Um, really uh, excited about what's going on with Sengrid right now. There's just some, um, you know, some really, uh, you know, fun and exciting growth happening here as, as we really scale as a company. So I spend a lot of my time, uh, thinking and working and focusing on that. So um, I, I'm, I'm assuming or we make this assumption that uh, most people know who, who Sengrid are, um, but I, I live in a bit of a SaaS bubble. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, who are Sengrid? What space do you, uh, you know, participate in? Sure. We're, Sengrid is one of the largest uh, cloud email solution providers in the world. Today, um, we provide you know two offerings. We really invented the you know cloud email infrastructure, email delivered via an API solution uh, nine years ago, and have become the, the largest provider of that. Um, and we also recently, about a year and a half ago, um, introduced a new email marketing tool called Marketing Campaigns, which um, you know 
we are excited about the growth of that product. It's really uh, scaled and grown uh, in a lot of ways over the last year. And um, then we also provide professional services to, uh, to our customers. Um, and some of the biggest brands, you know, uh, known today uh, use us. Every Uber receipt uh, is delivered via the SendGrid network. Every Airbnb notification, um, Spotify email uh, comes through us. And so, um, you know, we've uh, evolved to now have about 55,000 paying customers around the world and, um, you know, are, are looking to continue to grow and, and scale as, as we go down the road. Awesome. And, and tell us a little bit about, so you said you joined SendGrid uh, a couple of years back. Um, how did that come about? Why did you uh, decide to join as the CMO of Zeng, uh, SendGrid at that point? Yeah, well, um, you know, the company was at, um, you know, an interesting point where it had uh, recently brought in a new CEO uh, who was bringing in a, a new leadership team to really um, drive a new path of, of growth and profitability for the company. And so it was a tremendous opportunity for me to come on board, um, you know, as a, as a the leader of the marketing organization and help drive a transformation there. And, um, you know, marketing is unique at SendGrid in that we uh, drive the majority of our net new business for the company through our self-service uh, and partner channels. And so, um, you know, a lot of impact on, on the business. And it was exciting to join a new team that, um, you know, really come together to um, do something unique here. Right? What about your responsibilities as, as CMO since you joined? You talk about transformation um, at that time with the new leadership team. Um, you know, as, as a CMO at this, you know, scaling SaaS company, um, you know, what is it that you're responsible for? Well, uh, I have a somewhat of a broad portfolio uh, for a CMO. I am responsible for what we call our, uh, you know, self-service revenue marketing channel. Uh, it's all the things that we do to drive people to our website uh, who sign up for our solution. And that sort of e-commerce motion is a, is a huge growth driver, a uh, large percentage of net revenue for the business. I also uh, lead our partner channel uh, where we uh, have other partners uh, resell our solution, big um, you know, marketplaces like uh, AWS, Azure, and Heroku, as well as um, you know, digital agencies that resell our solution or use our solution to help deliver email marketing for their customers. And then, um, the, you know, the traditional uh, corporate marketing functions around, um, you know, brand and creative services, events, marketing, what have you, um, corporate communications, uh, research and insights. And then uh, I also lead um, a community development team, um, which is all about, um, you know, engaging with the startup community and trying to get startups to sign up for our Accelerate program, uh, which is a, a year of free sending and a lot of mentorship and consulting. And a lot of those uh, turn into meaningful customers for us. It's also a great way for us to stay really connected to our core sort of customer base, which ha you know often is uh, emerging growth companies, uh, developer persona who uh, chooses to integrate our email API solution into their application and, you know, really leverage that uh, simplicity and ease of use as they grow their own company. Awesome. And, and uh, I, I would expect this to, to be the case from any, um, you know, email marketing um, you know, SaaS company or company. Um, uh, and I understand that, um, you know, you have the belief that email is a foundation to successful customer communication strategy. Um, can you elaborate a little bit more about why you think that is the, uh, the case? 
Sure. Well, we really think about email as being the gravitational center of, you know, communication experience uh, from businesses to consumers. Um, you know, it's the most pervasive digital ID used out in the in the marketplace today. Virtually everybody requires an email address to sign up, uh, create a profile for their, their solution. Um, it's also extremely... Um, you know, trusted and, and, um, regulated. And so, you know, there's a high degree of trust in, in terms of email coming from businesses to consumers. It's also a preferred communication channel. Um, you know, we've done a ton of research on our own customer base and others that really show that email is the preferred, uh, you know, way to communicate with businesses. And then, you know, most importantly, it's super effective. It's, it enables this unique digital conversation at scale uh, very efficiently and, and very personalized. And so, um, you know, consumers prefer it. They, uh, you know, really let, uh, appreciate it. And I think it's, it's the most effective tool in that, in that digital communications toolbox as a result. Yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, agree with you. And certainly here at uh, at Sastock uh, uh, HQ, we find um, you know, well, email is our, our most effective communication and and revenue driver, um, uh, pretty much in the in the conference uh, events business. It, it's email that drives the uh, uh, the majority of ticket sales uh, when we're running our, our campaigns, and so without it, uh, um, you know, we wouldn't be very uh, successful or wouldn't be here today. Um, and I understand, um, you, you know, that uh, like today we're going to like, focus around um, five key uh, five keys for, for driving growth and engagement uh, uh, via email. Um, uh, so you, you're happy to uh, uh, talk about that and get some tips from you in uh, in, in how uh, the businesses, the founders, SaaS companies listening can can drive their growth and engagement via email. You bet. I'm happy to talk about that. And, um, you know, I, I do a lot of public speaking on this topic and, um, you know, we've, we've done a, a lot of, you know, actually done a, a webcast of this whole uh, presentation, which is available on sangrid.com blog posts and what have you. But really when you're, when you're thinking about email, um, there's five key areas that we often we recommend our customers really focus on. And that, uh, starts with design, uh, includes content, um, that you, you know, put inside of your email, um, very important element of contextualization or personalization where you use data elements to drive, um, you know, a personalized, highly relevant experience. Um, the globalization reality that, uh, sending email outside the U S requires different approaches depending on where you send. I'm sure you're highly familiar with that, uh, given the complexity of Europe. And then um, most importantly, deliverability. So you can do all these things really um, well, but if, if you don't get the email in the inbox because you're not paying attention to your DCAM records or your SPF uh, notifications, you know, that, that um, you know, breaks the whole chain of value. So deliverability and understanding that is really important. So um, if you'd like, I can go in a little more depth on each of those. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think that'd be great. Cool. Well, when it comes to design, um, design of your email, it's really important that you pay attention to a number of key factors. So number one, uh, having a really crisp call to action in your email is essential. And it should be, um, you know, clearly uh, defined in the form of a, of a button or a call to action somewhere in the, in the just below the fold of your first email. And, it, you know, you need to offer, um, you know, a thoughtful uh, you know, copy around your CTA and of course, uh, test everything. 
Um, also, you need to pay attention to typography and images and icons. Um, make sure that they're reinforcing your brand and that your logo is one of the first things that subscribers or recipients see. Um, and use color and imagery uh, typography that, that really supports uh, the message that you're trying to communicate. And then uh, lastly, on the design piece, all these things, you need to A-B test everything. Test your, your designs to find the most influential one around which, which CTA uh, message converts more effectively. Color, image, type, font size, placement can all be driving factors of whether they actually click through the email. With, um, with, with A-B testing, uh, if your audience is, let's say you've only got a 1,000 uh, people on your email list, is it still effective to do A-B testing? Um, you know, I think that as you, absolutely for high-level elements, you want to you be able to know that the design that you're using is going to convert uh, most effectively against a control. And um, you're never going to learn which of those copy changes or subject lines or anything, uh, you know, is going to work the best unless you're testing it. And you can, you can do an A-B test of a hundred people and, and glean learnings out of that. So yes, I would recommend uh, really regardless of your, of your list size that you, you A-B test at the very least some of your core messages and call to actions to find out which ones convert the best. Okay, cool. Make sense? All right. Makes so sense. moving on to content, um, you know, the actual words that you use. A couple things here. Um, on your, in terms of your, um, your subject lines, we found that uh, three words went out and convert much, much higher, ironically, than almost any other combination. So if you can find a, a subject line that has three words, that subject headers that, that really um, uh, convert, and make sure you choose buzzwords very carefully and avoid them for the most, for the most part. Uh, avoid things like hashtags and emoticons, which, which really don't work very well. Um, and, you know, make sure uh, that you're making use of that pre-header space, which is often, you know, kind of what stands between the trash and an open. So a lot of people uh, don't realize that they can actually use that pre-header space, which is what most people read when they're reading on, a, on an iPhone or, a, you know, a mobile device. Um, they actually see that pre-header very quickly. And so that's a great use of, um, of, of real estate to market. And then make sure that you, um, you know, Make, make sure that you avoid a too complex of a call to action. You want a simple, you know, um, reaction to make it really simple and clear. I use an example of, of, of a bunch of um, call to actions in, in my presentation on this. And all of them are just really simple, um, crystal clear, uh, you know, clearing calls to action. So that, that needs to be how you think about your content as, as part of your email experience. I'm taking notes there and I'm learning as we go, Scott. <laughs> All right. So the next element is contextualization. And, you know, this is about um, personalizing because, you know, there's been a whole bunch of research done that personalizing subject lines, for example, uh, for B2C use uh, increases open rates by over 40%, right? Um, and so you need to you need to pay attention to that, and you know your your content, your experience, the the elements that you need you use need to be timely, needs to be related to a current point in time, relevant, meaning it's based on some element of relevancy, personalized and regionalized. And use uh, an example um, of one of our clients, uh, Bands in Town, which um, you know delivers a weekly email of new bands, and it's super. 
uh, that are playing near you. And it's, you know, it's personalized to the individual. It's relevant based on your profile and things that you've uh, told this service that you care about and actions that you've taken tickets that you've bought, you know, and so it's, it's, smart and then it becomes more and more relevant over time. Um, highly personalized says, hello, Scott, right? So it, it personalizes to itself and it's regionalized around Denver where, where I live. So it's just a great example of highly relevant email that works. Um, also, you know, uh, when it comes to personalization, globalization or uh, contextualization, using triggered emails based on prior actions taken by the recipient is a great way to make all these things come true in, in real time. And we, I use an example of uh, eBay, which is one of our biggest clients. And, you know, they send out a, a set of weekly emails to their, um, you know, their auction participants that are based on their past history, auctions they've participated in, things that you'd like to see. Um, so it's super relevant uh, and timely. And, um, you know, handpicked essentially for each individual. So it's an email of one to uh, one. And it's, it's so uh, smart that they actually uh, don't, uh, they're able to personalize the experience at the moment that the individual renders and, and opens the email. So if you send an email um, on Monday and the individual doesn't open it until Friday, a lot of things may have changed in that recommendation set in those five days, an auction may have gone off, uh, you know, something may have uh, popped up that's more relevant. And so they actually, in the time uh, between sending and, and actually rendering, they will change that personalization set based on the individual. Well, and so that, that's a high degree of personalization in an example, but, um, you know, uh, one to, I think, really uh, model. And then um, the last thing is uh, emails becoming more and more interactive as well. Um, and so, you know, with CSS3 and HTML5, you can now bring a lot of interactivity back into the email experience and personalize that real time. So we have got example of Jack Threads, which is one of our customers, actually delivers an actual e-commerce shopping experience inside the email that uh, changes as the individual is navigating. <laughs> they don't have to leave the email to actually purchase now. Um, and so that level of uh, true interaction, interactivities coming back as, as part of that sort of uh, contextualization trend. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I, I didn't even know these things were possible, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's good to see where, where, where email's at. All right. Well, let me close with two more things then. Just, um, you know, globalization, which, uh, you know, super important that you um, think about localization of your email experience around language, content, offers. If you're doing any kind of commerce, um, currency and payment type localization is really important. And then, um, you know, ensuring that you're complying with global email regulations is really, um, is tricky. Um, every country is different. And, um, you know, they vary in pretty meaningful ways. You know, even in Finland, for example, you have to have in the footer of your uh, email, which is a, you know, text hidden in the code of the email, you have to actually uh, articulate the IP address where you acquired that email from so that they're, you know, you're avoiding spamming and phishing. It's very, uh, very complex. And then, you know, users engage differently uh, around the globe. Um, interestingly, in India, um, most people uh, view emails via their desktop computer versus their mobile phone. Uh, whereas in, you know, the UK or Japan, for example, about 65 to 70% 
of all emails read on a smartphone. And so, you know, paying attention to that uh, mobile element is really important. And then, you know, really understanding that the different um, global uh, ISPs operate differently, right? And so, Gmail, AOL, Microsoft, and Yahoo, uh, bulk of email goes through there. But, you know, in Europe, uh, Orange is very dominant. In places like Latin America, Prodigy is still around. And, um, you know, a, a big major player in terms of email communication. So, and they, you know, think about uh, spam filters and all that stuff very differently in, in these different ISPs. So in order to send around the globe, it's really important to understand all those elements. And then the, the last uh, uh, component is deliverability, which is the most, most complex, but um, you know, it's, it's one of those uh, super hard challenges. There's a technical side and a human side to deliverability. On the technical side, you have to understand um, you know, IP architecture and reputation and email authentication processes and you know, uh, transport layer security elements, those kind of things. And on the human side, you have to follow all the right compliance whether it's can spam or castle in, in Canada and make sure that you're paying attention to ISP relations and, you know, uh, the, the reputation of your, uh, IP sending elements, which, you know, is fairly complex and deliverability really, um, if you don't do it well, it, you know, it won't get in the inbox, affects your reach, your impact, all the things that you're trying to accomplish with, um, um, you know, uh, getting the email and, and using email as a, as a, you know, powerful communication channel. Um, so, you know, what we always recommend is that um, people consider leveraging a service provider, somebody like SangGrid or one of our competitors, because you have to understand SPF authentication and DKIM digital signatures and DMARC uh, MX records and policies and analytics in order for, um, you know, the effective uh, nature, particularly of at scale. Um, and so, you know, uh, we also recommend that clients uh, spend a lot of time and energy around maintaining the quality of their email lists, right? Um, you know, don't assume that everybody wants three emails a day, right? A-B test into all kinds of uh, optimized messaging. Um, stop sending to people that aren't opening or, or clicking and after six or, or nine months, they're clearly not interested, right? Um, consider not sending email at all to the oldest part of your list, right? That maybe the least active one to 5% continually being pruned off and being added with new people that raise their hand. And uh, most importantly, we you know recommend that people never buy email lists to test. You should only be um, building your email list through uh, a sign-up widget where people can clearly, um, you know, uh, sign up. And, and obviously, you need to have a preference center on your experience so that they can manage the kind of communication flow that you can receive from them. So all these things, um, you know, um, you know, correlate together as well. Um, you know, uh, even to the complexity of. Um, you know, on the deliverability side, needing to do things like warm up your IPs so that you don't, um, you know, start to send a, a thousands, millions of emails to uh, on a new IP that the ISP suddenly recognize as being, oh my gosh, there's a new new IP sending tons of email. They, they they look like they could be a spammer, and so they'll shut you down, right? And so those levels of of complexity uh, all roll into that uh, deliverability element. 
So if you, um, you know, if you do all those things well, you have a great email program. Well, uh, we're, we're certainly going to look to, uh, um, you know, Im- improve on what we're doing and uh, uh, apply some of those, um, uh, you know, lessons there that, uh, that, that you shared with us. Uh, so that's, that's really fantastic stuff. And as I say, you know, even, you know, for, for us as a kind of smaller business that really does rely on email, you know, it just goes to show that we're, we're perhaps sort of, you know, not quite optimized and that there's a lot of uh, improvement for us to do so thank you for uh, for sharing those lessons with us and you you mentioned that um uh this is also uh, these kind of uh, five keys are available online um somewhere so that we can share that within the um uh the, the notes for the podcast that's right you can find them in uh, at sendgrid.com um under the resources section mm-hmm. and just look under webcasts and um uh, there's one recorded there that people can check out awesome We'll, we'll include that. And, uh, and, and so you're, you're coming over to Dublin uh, next month, uh, September the 18th to the 20th, to, uh, to speak at Sastock, uh, Scott. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. Yeah, likewise. Um, you know, great to, to have you over. And you, you're doing a keynote uh, uh, on, on September the 20th. Um, uh, what will, so we've, we've learned a lot today about you know, how email sort of drives growth. Um, you know, uh, what will we learn from you, um, you know, in September in Dublin at Sastock? Well, I'm going to be talking uh, about, you know, helping companies scale. Uh, it's something that, you know, we've experienced ourselves here at SendGrid going from, you know, zero to, um, you know, uh, 400 employees and, you know, thousands and thousands of customers around the world. And we, we've learned a few things, I think, along the way that we wanted to share with the audience there um, around scaling. And so I'm going to be talking about, you know, um, some key elements for successfully scaling startup companies, starting with focusing on, you know, the product buyer fit, right? And um, ensuring that you actually have buyers for your product and validating that early in a variety of different ways before you, you know, um, invest a lot of resources that um, maybe take you in the wrong direction. Um, we talk a lot about the need to listen to your customers. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time on NPS score uh, readouts and, and deep in analytics on a quarterly basis around our customer base and we're constantly finding ways to, to listen and learn to them, even to the point of n- newly launching a um, online community for our customers. And so that's a really important element. I'm going to talk about how hiring is really a privilege and how um, that is one of the key mistakes that many, many people make is not paying enough attention to the quality and, and the culture fit of their early employees. Um, and then, you know, I'm going to talk about being intentional from a culture perspective. I think culture is something that is designed, uh, not organic. And so uh, you have to be very intentional. And, you know, we've got uh, a real clear sort of uh, culture message at Sangra that I'll share with the, with the audience and uh, talk about how important that is. And then last, um, you know, element is... Um, don't get burned by cash flow and cash burn, right? And so I think so many um, uh, new companies uh, don't pay enough attention to, um, you know, a a path to profitability. And I think in today's world, um, profitability is more important than maybe has been historically. And so, um, you know, the importance of of sort of focusing on that cash burn relationship and uh, making sure that you, you, uh, you have enough resources to get your company off the ground. 
So that's I'm, what I'm, I'm talking about right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to, uh, to, to, to see that. And if it's, you know, anything, uh, um, you, you know, to go on, uh, uh, on, on this conversation we've just had, um, it sounds like it's going to be full of practical, actionable sort of lessons. Um, so uh, looking forward to, to, to seeing you in, uh, in, in Dublin in September, Scott. Well, uh, me as well. And, um, you know, thanks very much for having me on your podcast. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it's great to have you as a guest. And for, for the listeners at home, um, if you liked this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show, we'd appreciate if you rate and review us on iTunes. And uh, we'll see you next time. Don't forget, listeners to the SaaS Revolution Show can get a 20% discount on tickets to the SaaS Doc 2017 conference with discount code SASREVOLUTION.